I've always wanted the ability to walk onto a stage with this plane behind me. I've always wanted to be able to do that. It should come to no surprise to many of you that I'm talking about the greatest movie ever created in the, in the history of the world. Um, it's Star Wars, The Passion of Christ. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm excited to, to bring you this message this morning. Uh, I'd like to thank all of my, all of my goons that, uh, that wore a helmet for me this morning. You don't understand how hard it was for me to allow them to do that. I, 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 it, it took a lot of courage to send that text message because all that was going through my mind was, I know these guys, they're just gonna headbutt each other and destroy my stuff. And so that was a very difficult thing for me to do, but it was worth it. Uh, <laughs> um, and so I'm, I'm excited, I'm, I'm very excited to launch off this theme uh, this morning. This is gonna be a good month. You're gonna to wanna to invite people this month. Um, we're gonna be doing this all month long. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, real quick, before I dive into my message this morning, I do wanna mention that tonight at six o'clock, someone say six o'clock? At six o'clock, we're doing a family movie night across the street in the Elevate Amphitheater. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna have a LED wall up, playing the movie. Uh, we're actually, we're gonna be watching the, the Minions Rise of Gru movie. Um, it is pirated, so praise God for that. Um, yeah, uh, but so invite your friends. Tell them, hey, I know you don't want to pay to take your kids to go see this movie. You can come watch it for free at my church. Um, just don't invite anybody involved in law enforcement because <laughs> we do not want to get fined. Um, and so uh, you're not going to want to miss that. It's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you invite somebody to that. If you're here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, how many guys like Star Wars? Let me see your hands. Yeah? Okay. Good, a, good, a good chunk of you. How many guys like Star Trek? Yeah? The door's right there. Uh, you came to the wrong church today. Uh, Star Wars is better. I, I, I don't know why. There, there will always and there always has been this hatred between Star Wars fans and Star Trek fans. Like, yeah, I like Chris Pine. Star Wars is better. It's not close. Like, that, that's it. Uh, and, and the original Star Wars versus the original Star Trek, not close. Sorry. Star Wars wins. Uh, and so, uh, again, if you're a Star Trek fan, you can leave right now. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Um, but uh, I, I'm excited. I'm excited to bring this message uh, today. Uh, Obi-Wan does kill Spock. Um, if you think about it, you know, like, Spock doesn't stand a chance. Um, therefore, Star Wars is better. It's not, it's not much of a comparison. I don't know what to say. Ah. Uh, uh, but uh, today I want to talk to you about Star Wars, Star Wars 9 movies. Someone say 9 movies, this is a lot of movies. Uh, 6 movies that count, 3 movies that are, that are entertaining. So don't hate on the new 3, cause, just because they don't uh, chronologically fit, doesn't matter, they're fun to watch, okay? But this, the first 6, greatness, that's what you need to know. Uh, tons of animated series, lots of different kind of stuff going on. Shout out to the light guy wearing a Star Wars helmet right now. That's what I like to see. Um, lots of live action series, some that you'd be familiar with, like The Mandalorian. That's kind of taken the world by storm. Uh, the new Kenobi series, that was fantastic. So much stuff, right? So, uh, music, John Williams, the greatest music composer of all time. I actually, this week, the past two weeks have been so filled with Star Wars for me in preparation to this message. Like, 
like from watching the movies to making graphics and videos that replicate Star Wars, it was a lot of fun, not gonna lie. Uh, it was a lot of fun, but uh, I did actually purchase tickets on Thursday to see John Williams with the LA Philharmonic at the Hollywood Bowl. And I'm super excited about it because he is the greatest composer of all time. Uh, and so there's that, uh, uh, Lucas Films, they, have, they also have Lucas Games. Uh, there's a whole video game section of Star Wars. You have action figures and replicas, collectibles, lightsabers, so many different things. So many things, right? They, Star Wars is actually the fourth largest media empire in the history of the world. Think about that. It, it, right up there with Marvel is Star Wars. It's right up there. The fourth largest media empire in the world. Highest grossing movie empire in the world. Actually above Star Wars, above uh, Marvel is Star Wars. And, and it leads to this. And, 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 you know, I was thinking to myself, you know, there's got to be something that lures people in to catch that kind of success. You know what I mean? Like for something to become one of the most successful franchises in the history of the world, in the history of media, there has to be something that lures people into it, right? You don't just gain that kind of success. There has to be something deeper than blasters and, and lightsabers and moving stuff with your mind that attracts people to this franchise. There has to be something more than that. And, and I'm, I'm very excited to bring this message to you this morning. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to jump back and forth between clips from uh, the original Episode Four Star Wars movie. And, uh, and we're going to jump back and forth between that. But I honestly believe this morning that what I'm going to talk to you about today, if you will lean in and you will pay attention to what's being said and apply it to your life, I truly believe it could change your life forever. I truly believe that. And you will forever remember the day that your life was changed because of a galaxy far, far away. Cool? We can play that first clip. You know, I think that R2 unit we bought might have been stolen. What makes you think that? Well, I stumbled across a recording while I was cleaning him. He says he belongs to someone called Obi-Wan Kenobi. I thought he might have meant old Ben. Do you know what he's talking about? Hmm. No. I wonder if he's related to Ben. That wizard's just a crazy old man. Tomorrow I want you to take that R2 unit to Anchorhead and have its memory. That'll be the end of it. It belongs to us. What if this Obi-Wan comes looking for? He won't. I don't think he exists anymore. He died about the same time as your father. You knew my father? Well, just forget it. Your only concern is to prepare those new droids for tomorrow. In the morning, I walk them up there on the south ridge working on those condensers. I think those new droids are going to work out fine. In fact, I, uh, also think about our agreement. About me staying on another season. And if these new droids do work out, I want to transmit my application to the Academy this year. You mean the next semester before the harvest? Sure, there's more than enough droids. Harvest is when I need you the most. Only one season more. This year we'll make enough from the harvest that I'll be able to hire some more hands, and then you can go to the Academy next year. You must understand I need you. But it's a whole nother year. Look, it's only one more season. Yeah. Big Where are you going? Looks like I'm going nowhere. I should go finish cleaning those droids. Oh, and he can't stay here forever. Most of his friends have gone. It means so much to him. I'll make it up to him next year. I promise. 
<laughs> Luke's just not a farmer, Owen. He has too much of his father in him. That's what I'm afraid. you guys have seen that movie before hopefully every single person seen that movie before like if if I'm the youngest person speaking this month and I'm speaking on the oldest movie this month then that means that you need to watch that movie this movie came out 20 years before I was born and so you need you need to watch that movie it's a fantastic movie it'll lure you in and then we then we'll have something to talk about and so uh, <laughs> watch that movie but uh, I have this message broken up in three different pieces this morning and the first thing I want to tell you is when we're going to jump right into it. The first thing I want to tell you is that there is untapped potential in you that you have not discovered yet. In other words, God has put something in you. God has put power, authority. God has given you giftings and abilities that you have not discovered within yourself. There's something in you, Luke Skywalker, the person this movie is about. He's, a boy, he's, a, he's just a farm boy from Tatooine. He just grows up on a farm helping his aunt and his uncle. And, and Luke actually says that he, he sits and he shoots womp rats for fun. Like with a, you picture a little kid with a BB gun shooting rats. Like weirdo, right? Like that's, that's, what, that's what Luke Skywalker does. And he's got a bowl cut. And he just doesn't look very good, right? And, and really he's just a nobody. He's just a nobody. Like he's got, like he lives in the middle of a desert. How many of you guys like that opportunity? Like he just lives in the middle of nowhere. His planet has two suns. And so it's like, it's never dark outside. Like, it's just, he doesn't live the best life. He grew up on tattooing a desert plant, nothing really going on. And what catches my attention about this is Luke could have lived his entire life much like he lived the first 20 years of his life. That the first 20 years of his life, he, he, he went through, he was raised on a farm and, and didn't really know his heritage, didn't really know where he came from. He could have lived his entire life as the farm boy who grew up on Tatooine, not knowing that he was so much more than that. And we see in the beginning of episode four, Luke Skywalker, he's going through his life and he's oblivious to, he has no idea, he's completely unaware of the destiny that was before him. He had no idea what he would go on to do or who he would go on to become. He lived a life completely oblivious to it. And let me be the one to open, to your, open your eyes to the fact that a lot of Christians live like that today. They are completely oblivious and unaware that there is a purpose and a destiny that God had placed on your life. You aren't called to just clock into work Monday through Friday, collect your paycheck and go home. You're not called to get married, have kids, grow old and pass away. You're not called to go to school, go to college, to get a degree, to get a good job, and that's it. You're not called to attend a church, live a decent life, and get into heaven. There is a purpose that has been placed on your life. You have been set apart. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. Your life carries weight, 
responsibility, purpose, and meaning. Matthew chapter 26 says this, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth, it has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to the end of age. What is Jesus doing in this moment? Jesus is giving the disciples purpose to their lives. That's what he's doing. Jesus says, I have the authority, I have the power, and now I am equipping you and calling you to go make disciples in all of the nations. That's what Jesus is doing. So there's purpose on your life. That same purpose that Jesus put on the disciples, he put it on us too. We're called to fulfill that great commission. We're called that everywhere we go, that we would make disciples of Christ. Elevate Ministries, our goal is for people to have a true encounter with God that would change their life forever, making them a, a, a disciple of Christ. That's what our church's purpose is. We want to see the world change one person at a time, right? The worst thing you could do in your life is settle for anything less than what God has planned, purposed, and destined you for. God has a purpose and a destiny on your life, and it's so much bigger and greater than anything you could ever put together for yourself. And the worst mistake you can make is by settling for anything less than what God has called you for. And this is exactly what we see taking place at the start of this movie. Luke is so much more than just a farm boy. He's so much more than just a random guy on Tatooine. We know because we've seen how the movie goes. We've seen how the story ends. But Luke has no idea who he really is. He's got no clue where he comes from. And as this movie goes on, something happens to Luke that will drastically change his life forever. Gaffy sticks, panther tracks, it's just, I've never heard of them hitting anything this big before. They didn't, but we are meant to think they did. These tracks are side by side. Sand people always ride single file to hide their numbers. These are the same Jawas that sold us R2 and 3 pm And these blast points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. But why would Imperial troops want to slaughter Jawas? If they traced the robots here, they may have learned who they sold them to, and that would lead them back home. Oh, wait, Luke! It's too dangerous!
So we see right here in this clip, we see this picture of Luke loses everything, right? Luke, Luke goes out, R2-D2 actually runs away, and Luke needs to go find him, so he slips out of the house early in the morning before his uncle will find out. And, and so he's out searching for R2-D2. While he's gone, the empire comes by and kills his family, burns down, the, burns down their farmhouse, do, does all that, just, just takes everything away from Luke. He loses the only family that he's ever known, he loses his farm. He loses his purpose. He loses what he was doing. He loses his career, his, his, his title. Everything is stripped away from him. And in one moment, everything that he believed was gone. And when I was watching this scene, it's, it, God kind of, he, he kind of revealed something to me. And I know that sounds so weird considering what we're talking about this morning. But I'm watching this movie, and I felt God kind of opened my eyes to the fact that when you don't know who you really are, you won't know what's really important to you. And this doesn't have, really have anything to do with the rest of my message, but I think some people need to know this this morning, is that how you identify yourself determines what you value. The moment you understand your heritage and you understand where you come from, the moment you understand that I am a child of God, the moment you understand that I am called, I am a chosen people, all of a sudden, the things that were once important to you are no longer that important. If you're prioritizing the wrong things, then maybe your identity is in the wrong place. Because what you value, it shows what your identity is. And in this severe moment of, Luke's, of loss in Luke's life, a man comes named Obi-Wan Kenobi. Someone say Obi-Wan Kenobi. How many of you guys have heard of Obi-Wan Kenobi? In the Star Wars world, we call him Space Jesus. That's his, that's his actual nickname. And, uh, and so uh, uh, I want to pause here. I want to say this. You need an Obi-Wan Kenobi in your life. And, and I think most of you probably came in today not expecting to ever hear that from a church pulpit. But you need an Obi-Wan Kenobi in your life. One of the most important relationships and impactful relationships you can establish in your life is with an Obi-Wan Kenobi. And this next clip will show us why. fighting the wars, he was a navigator on a spice freighter. That's what your uncle told you. He didn't hold with your father's ideals, thought he should have stayed here and not gotten involved. You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. I wish I'd known him. He was the best star pilot in the galaxy. And a cunning warrior. I understand you've become quite a good pilot yourself. Reminds me. I have something here for you. Your father wanted you to have this when you were old enough, but your uncle wouldn't allow it. He feared you might follow old Obi-Wan on some damn fool idealistic crusade like your father did. Sir, if you'll not be needing me, I'll close down for a while. Sure, go ahead. What is it? Your father's lightsaber. This is the weapon of a Jedi Knight. Not as clumsy or random as a blaster. An elegant weapon, but a more civilized edge. 
For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the Old Republic. Before the dark times. Before the Empire. How did my father die? A young Jedi named Darth Vader, who was a pupil of mine until he turned to evil, helped the Empire hunt down and destroy the Jedi Knights. He betrayed and murdered your father. Now the Jedi are all but extinct. Vader was seduced by the dark side of the Force. The Force? Now the Force is what gives the Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. You must learn the ways of the Force if you are to come with me to Alderaan. One of the most important relationships you can establish in your life is with an Obi-Wan Kenobi. And why is that? And I believe this scene shows us something. It shows us that Obi-Wan could see in Luke what Luke couldn't see within himself. In Luke's mind, he was just a farm boy from Tatooine. He was just another guy, just a normal guy. But Obi-Wan could see within Luke what Luke didn't, wasn't able to see within himself. Luke, a farm boy from Tatooine, he, he fixed his droids, and, and he's got a bowl cut, and he's got a little uh, like annoying, whiny voice in the first movie that everybody complains about. And, but really, he's a nobody. That's who he is. Nobody knows who he is. Nobody cares about him. Nobody, nobody sees him as anything important. But Obi-Wan knew his heritage. Obi-Wan knew his potential. Obi-Wan knew what Luke's purpose was. And you need that in your life. You need someone in your life that when they look at you, they don't see your appearance, they don't see your career, they don't see your accomplishments, and they don't see your past. You need someone in your life that looks at you and doesn't see your past, but sees your potential. You need someone in your life that looks at you, doesn't see what you have done, but what you can do. You need someone in your life that looks at you and doesn't see your career, but sees what you're called for. There is an untapped potential. There is an undiscovered meaning. There is more to your life than you have realized. There's more to your story than you've gotten to yet. And so September 4th, just four weeks from now, our church will be relaunching our e-groups for fall. And our church values community. Our church values camaraderie. And a value of our church is together, together. We do life together. It's not good to do life alone. I don't believe you can do life alone. You'll end up sad, depressed, lonely. You are called to live in relationship with other people. The truth is, is that the standard that God has called you and I to live by cannot be maintained by ourselves. We need to surround ourselves around people with like-minded faith that can encourage us, keep us in check, and keep us going forward, keep us pushing forward. You need someone that sees your potential, someone that won't let you settle for anything less than what God has called you for. Who you spend your time with and who you hang out with, it is important. If all of your friends, if all they do is diss you and speak negative about you and discourage you, you need to surround yourself around a new group of friends. 
Because uh, surround yourself around people who build you up and don't tear you down. Surround yourself around people who speak to your faith and not to your reality. Don't attempt to go through life alone. And most importantly, don't buy into the lie that tells you that who you surround yourself with has no effect on who you are. The people you spend the most time with are the people you'll end up the most like. If you don't want to talk like so-and-so, then you can't hang out with so-and-so. If you don't want to think like so-and-so, you can't hang out with so-and-so. You need to surround yourself around people that will build you up, not tear you down. Are you with me? Your friends, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband or wife, the people you do life with will either be a limitation or an advocation on the potential of your life. They can be a ceiling on your life or they can be a floor on your life. They're either going to lift you up, they're going to elevate you up, or they're going to hold you back down. Choose carefully who you do your life with. You need an Obi-Wan in your life. You need someone that sees the potential, the calling, and the destiny that God has placed within you and will try to pull it out of you. You need someone in your life that doesn't look at your past or your mistakes, but looks into your future. You need someone in your life that pulls out of you the giftings and the potential that you can't find within yourself. There is untapped potential in you that you have not discovered yet. Governor Tuck, I should have expected to find you holding Vader's leash. I recognized your foul stench when I was brought on board. Charming to the last. You don't know how hard I found it signing the order to terminate your life. I'm surprised you had the courage to take the responsibility yourself. Princess Lear, before your execution, I would like you to be my guest at a ceremony that will make this battle station operational. No star system will dare oppose the Emperor now. The more you tighten your grip, Tark, the more star systems will slip through your fingers. Not after we demonstrate the power of this station. In a way, you have determined the choice of the planet that will be destroyed first. Since you are reluctant to provide us with the location of the rebel base, I have chosen to test this station's destructive power on your home planet of Alderaan. No, Alderaan is peaceful. We have no weapons. You can't You will possibly... prefer another target, a military target? Then name the system. I grow tired of asking this, so it'll be the last time. Where is the rebel base? Dantooine. They're on Dantooine. There. You see, Lord Vader, she can be reasonable. Continue with the operation. You may fire when ready. What? You're far too trusting. Dantooine is too remote to make an effective demonstration, but don't worry. We will deal with your rebel friends soon enough. Oh. Primary ignition. This next section, I want to I want to spend some time on talking to you. Um, it's a little long, so bear with me. But um, I believe that it could really help some of you this morning. And it's this: it's the fight in your life is less dependent on who you're fighting with or who you're fighting against, but more about whether you're fighting at all. 
And this might be kind of weird and kind of hard for some people to believe, but George Lucas was actually inspired by Scripture when he wrote the the three first Star Wars movies. And he was inspired by different passages of Scripture. There's a lot of parallels and comparisons uh, in Star Wars that you can actually find in Scripture. And, And the first movie was inspired by the famous story of David and Goliath. And I'm sure that's a story that all of us would be familiar with. And, uh, and the, tr- the empire, what we see in this movie, the empire is a huge enemy. They've been in control for the last 20 years. They have the weaponry. They have the infantry. They have the money. They have the supplies. They have everything they need to be unbeatable. They've got a ship that can blow up a whole planet. Like, that's kind of hard to come up against, don't you think? Like, if they could just press one button and blow up your planet, you don't stand much of a chance. And, and so this is the enemy that we're dealing with. And no one would have ever thought that they would be challenged to fight against a group of rebels, a group of ragtag nobodies, an army led by a princess, a farm boy, and a smuggler. Nobody would have expected that to happen. This is a, it's a major underdog story. And I think there's something to be said about this. And I think there's something that you and I, we can apply this to our lives, is that the enemy wants to appear so big, so bad, and so strong to make you think that you don't stand a chance. We see this in this scene. You have this encounter between General Tarkin and and Princess Leia. And, And General Tarkin says, nobody would be foolish enough to attack us now once they see the power of this weapon. And so then what does he do? He, he blows up Princess Leia's home planet of Alderaan. He says, nobody would be dumb enough to fight us when they see what we are able to do. The enemy wants to seem untouchable to you. He wants to seem unbeatable to you because the moment you fall into this mentality, you give up your ability to fight. If the enemy can entrap and cripple your mind to think a certain way, then he can cause you to act a certain way. This is why scripture tells us in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, right? It says that by the testing, you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect because how you think, it affects the way you act. And if the enemy can get you to think defeated, he'll get you to act defeated, And if the devil can get control of your mind, you will lose the fight before it ever even starts. We need to learn to protect our mind. I think this is the primary reason why we have such a dramatic rise in mental health in our society. That mental health has grown 17% in the last four years. Or 20% of adults struggle with mental health, that there has been a rise of mental issues within young people in forms of anxiety and depression and fear. And, and because of this, it has led to an increase of substance abuse and, and suicide throughout our country. And as I was thinking about this, you can see the agenda of our enemy by just looking at the problems in our world. That if you begin to think defeated, you'll begin to live defeated. Why has suicide become such a major issue in the youth of the United States of America? It's because they have bought into the lie of the enemy that says there is no hope, there is no future, and there is no destiny on their life. They have bought into the lie that says they have no worth, 
and they have no value. And so young people who have their entire future in front of them with endless possibilities of what they can do, they find themselves mentally and spiritually crippled because they have bought into the lie that there is no purpose on their life. And if there's no purpose on their life, then they have no purpose to live. I want to tear down that stronghold for every single person in this room. I want to tear down that stronghold for every single person in Orange County. There is purpose for you. There is destiny for you. And there is a calling on your life. And what God has called you and equipped you to do is so much bigger and purposeful than you could ever imagine. And the best part of it all is that what God has called you to do cannot be dictated, affected, or diminished by any opposing force that might try to get in your way. What door God opens, no man can shut. What God speaks, no man can defy. And what God said will come to pass, nobody can prevent. But there's a catch to it. We still have to fight. There's still a fight. The devil is after the minds of the believers. He's after the minds of your kids. The Bible tells us that the enemy has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. We've got to learn to protect our mind. This is something that I think we can see taking place in the beginning of the story of David and, and, and looking at David and Goliath. The Israelites and the Philistines, they're fighting. And again, most of us would be familiar with this story. This war starts between the two. And there's this Philistine named Goliath, and he's just taunting and teasing the Israelites. It starts in verse 1, that the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. And they pitched camp at Ephesus and Damim uh, between Soka and Azekah. Saul and, and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with a valley in between them. And then the scripture goes on to explain to us that there's this champion from Gath named Goliath and begins to talk about how big he is, how strong he is, how undefeatable he was. And, and then we pick up in verse 8 that Goliath would stand and he, he would shout to the ranks of Israel, why do you come up and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. And if he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight with each other. On, uh, on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and they were terrified. What's happening right there? Goliath is, he's portraying himself to be so big, so strong, so undefeatable, that he fills the Israelites with fear to the point to where they won't even fight. And the enemy does the same thing to you. He wants to appear so untouchable, so big, and so strong, because if he can get you to think that you don't stand a chance, then you won't even begin to fight. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 16 says, For 40 days, someone say 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening, and he took his stand. So think about this, for 40 days, Goliath would come down into this valley and he would shout out to the Israelites asking for somebody to come fight him. 
asking for somebody to come try to beat him. That's what he's doing. And something caught my attention about 40 days. I want you to keep that number in mind. Keep 40 in mind. And then we read down in verse 22. It's that David, he left his things with the keeper of supplies. He ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. And as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, he stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. And it says, verse 24, whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled with great fear. The enemy wants you to live in fear. He wants to trap you with fear. And so we see these 40 days, 40 days of battle, 40 days of loss, 40 days of mockery. Goliath has come down 40 days in a row just asking somebody fight me. 40 days. The Israelites were losing for 40 days, and this caught my attention because God does something in 40 days. Jesus wandered the desert and was tempted for 40 days. God flooded the earth through rain for 40 days. Moses met with God on Mount Sinai for 40 days. The prophet Elijah fasted for 40 days. After the resurrection of Jesus, Scripture tells us that Jesus presented himself to the believers for 40 days. The children of Israel, they wandered the desert for how long? 40 years. In your life, you are going to go through some 40 experiences. In your life, you're going to experience some battles that will seem impossible. You will have your share of 40s. The Israelites are in the middle of their 40 days. But here is what you need to know. There is something that God is doing beneath the surface level when it comes to 40 days. Each and every time the Bible references 40 days, there is something being done underneath the surface. There is something God is building up within the people. Jesus, he, he fasted and was tempted for 40 days. We read, as he comes down from that 40 days, it launches the ministry of Jesus. God flooded the earth through rain for 40 days. The earth was wicked. It was vile. And what did God do? God raised up a new generation. Moses met with God on Mount Sinai for 40 days. He came back with the Ten Commandments after having a, a revelation with God. The prophet Elijah fasted for 40 days. Scripture tells us that he woke up on day 41 and he had an encounter with God. The children of Israel, they wandered the desert for 40 years. That led them to the promised land. God is doing something in your 40 days. The Israelites were losing for 40 days, but the Israelites, they were not losing because of Goliath. The Israelites were not losing that fight because their enemy was too big or too strong to fight against. The Israelites were losing because nobody was fighting. 1 Samuel 17, 24, whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Sometimes we become so worried about win or lose, we become so consumed with the end result, we don't even begin to fight in the first place. The fight taking place in this movie sticks out to me more than any other, and the reason why is because the rebels do not stand a chance in this fight. They are going up against an enemy that, is, that outnumbers them, outweapons them, outguns them. They do not stand a single chance against this enemy. 
And what makes it even crazier to me is that the number one weapon the rebels have are these people called the Jedis. And all the ones that are still alive, they're out hiding. The rebels, they've been engaged in this fight for 20 years. That's how long this fight has been going on, for 20 years. And their number one weapon is hiding in Tatooine. Not engaged in the fight at all. And somebody in this room needs to realize that the key to fighting isn't who you fight with. It's not who you fight against. It's whether you're even fighting at all. Battles can't be won if you don't fight. What you, what you and I are fighting against in our lives, it's already been conquered. It's already been defeated. It's already been overcome. But it will control your life if you don't fight. You will live a life crippled by an enemy that has already been defeated because you won't fight. You and I, we are called to fight. We are fighters. That's what we are. The enemy that comes against you has already lost. The power and the authority to defeat what stands in front of you is within you, but it will defeat you if you don't fight. We can play that next clip. The battle station is heavily shielded and carries a firepower greater than half the Starfleet. Its defenses are designed around a direct, large-scale assault. A small, one-man fighter should be able to penetrate the outer defense. Pardon me for asking, sir, but what good are snub fighters going to be against that? Well, the Empire doesn't consider a small, one-man fighter to be any threat, or they'd have a tighter defense. An analysis of the plans provided by Princess Leia has demonstrated a weakness in the battle station. The approach will not be easy. You're required to maneuver straight down this trench and skim the surface to this point. The target area is only two meters wide. It's a small thermal exhaust port right below the main port. The shaft leads directly to the reactor system. A precise hit will start a chain reaction which should destroy the station. Only a precise hit will set up a chain reaction. The shaft is ray shielded, so you'll have to use proton torpedoes. That's impossible, even for a computer. But it's not impossible. I used to bullseye womp rats in my T-16 back home. They're not much bigger than two meters. Then man your ships, and may the force be with you. If you guys saw the new Top Gun movie, what you need to know, is that the whole ending is a straight ripoff of Star Wars. And that's exactly what that was. Um, so Star Wars is, again, better. Um, is this helping anybody this morning? Yeah? The enemy wants to appear so big, so bad, so strong to make you think that you don't have a chance. Because the moment you fall into that kind of thinking, you give up your ability to fight. Anything that gets in your way, everything that you will come up against in your life, it doesn't stand a chance if you will fight. The problems in your life that you will face, the difficulty that you'll go through, you can overcome it, but you have to fight. The key to fighting isn't who you're fighting with. It's not how big or bad your enemy may seem. And it's not your ability to fight. It's whether you're even fighting at all. We can play this last clip. Back far enough to cover you. My scope shows the tower, but I can't see the exhaust port. Are you sure the computer can hit it? Watch this 
yourself. Increase speed, full throttle. What about that tower? You worry about those fighters, I'll worry about the tower. R2, that, that stabilizer's broken loose again. See if you can't lock it down. when ready. The last thing I want to talk to you about this morning is this, is God won't engage in what you won't begin. When you find yourself in a battle, there is something that God is trying to develop within you. There is something deeper that, that God is trying to do. And God uses difficulty and adversity in your life to develop you into the person he has called you to be. Yeah. Have you ever asked the question, why am I going through this? Why am I dealing with this? Why do I have to experience this? 
God is developing you, developing your character into the person he has called you to be. There is more in you. There is something in you that needs to be brought out and discovered. You haven't experienced the fullness of what you're capable of or what God wants to use you for. But here's the thing. The battleground is the breeding ground of what God is building up within you. In other words, you're going to have to go through the hard stuff. You're going to have to go through some difficulty. You're going to have to go through some trials in your life if you want to do what God has called you to do. Luke was a great pilot. But there was something within him that he hadn't discovered yet. He had this connection. He had this ability in him called the force that he didn't know know it was there. And he would have never discovered it if he would have settled for a life living on a farm. He would have never found it if he settled for comfort. He would have never found it within him if he was never put in the situation to where he needed it. I believe that God has given each and every person in this room, God has given you the key and God has given you every single thing that you need to get through the trials in your life. But I also believe that those things can only be discovered through some pressure. I believe that there's a lot of things that God has placed in your life that he won't give to you until you put yourself in a situation to where you need it. And I think we see that in this movie. And the truth is there are too many Christians in our world today that have settled for comfort. There are too many Christians that will go through their life and never really discover what they were made for. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 24, that when the Israelites saw Goliath, that they fled from him in great fear. There are too many Christians that will live their life running away from adversity, running away from problems, running away from the enemy. But there's something that you need to realize this morning is that God is working in your 40 days. God is in the valley where Goliath is standing. God is standing with you through adversity, but God won't engage in what you won't begin. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32, it says, David says to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. And the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And then we pick up in 46, David's talking to Goliath. He says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I will strike you down. I will cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. The story about David and Goliath, it's not about the Philistines versus the Israelites. It's not about the fight between the two. It's not one nation against another nation. The truth is, is I believe that if anybody would have stepped into that valley, 
and said, the battle is the Lord's and he will deliver you into my hands, they would have won. I truly believe that this morning. The problem is nobody was willing to do it. The reason the Israelites were losing it wasn't because of the enemy. It was because nobody was fighting. It wasn't Philistines versus Israelites. It was God saying, is there anybody that will step down into that valley and fight? Because Goliath had already been defeated. Goliath had already been delivered. David says, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. He knew it was going to happen. It was already done. But was somebody going to take the necessary step for God to engage in that fight with them? There's something that I want you to know this morning is that God is working on your 40 days. And I want to show you what this unleashed inside of David as his story goes forward. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, you turn the page, verse 5, it says, Whatever mission Saul sent David on, David was so successful that Saul gave him the high rank in the army. So you go, you have David, shepherd boy, not even really looked at to be anybody important. Now he's got the high rank in the army. Then 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 14 says this, In everything that he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. The first four words of that scripture, I believe, have the power to change your life. In everything that he did, in everything that he did, God won't engage in what you won't begin. Too many Christians go through life hoping God will do something on their behalf, hoping that God will just take care of their problems for them. They've fallen under this mentality that you're just supposed to offer up your problems, offer up your issues to God, and just hope and wait for the best. That we're supposed to just tell God, God, this area is not good enough, and just expect him to fix it. But what made David successful isn't what God did for him. I want you to understand this this morning. What made David successful, it's not what God did for him. You will waste your life waiting for God to do something for you. Because God isn't interested in doing stuff for you. God wants to do something with you. God wants to do something through you. David's success, it was because the Lord was with him in everything that he did. A lot of Christians, a lot of us, we like to sit in the corner and offer up our problems to God, offer up our battles to God, and say, God, deliver this. God, fix this. God, my finances aren't good. Fix it. God, my family's jacked up. Fix it. But in reality, we're not doing anything. We're not fighting at all. God won't engage in what you won't begin. We come to God and we say, God, my finances are in the gutter, but I don't have the money to tithe. So can you just please fix it and I'll tithe when it gets better. God, my family's struggling, but, but I don't have the boldness or the, or the strength to, to drag them to church. They, they said they don't want to go and that's kind of it. So God, would you please speak to them? God, my kids are struggling, but, but I don't have the gas or the time to bring them to church on Friday nights because, because it's just another service. It's another trip. God, I can't, I can't afford that right now. Inflation's so high. I can't afford the gas. God, I don't know. Can you please do something with that? 
But David was successful not because of what God did for him, but it was because that in everything he did, God was with him. You and I, we need to engage in the fights of our lives. Not just stand on the side and hope God will sweep through and save us. We need to engage in the fight. If your kids are struggling, then you need to surround your kids around people that can help them. Not hope for the best, not, not pray in your bedroom before you go to sleep. You need to bring them and allow them to experience God in a new way. If your finances are in the gutter, what do you need to do? You need to offer what you have to God. Because when you give God your last, He will provide for you. In everything that you do, the Lord will be with you. Not everything you ask for, not everything you hope for, everything that you take the action to actually do. We need to actually engage in the fights. The problem is the enemy wants to seem so big and so strong that there's no point in fighting at all. But there's a purpose to fight. The enemy that we face has already been defeated. He's already been lost. You know how many Christians bought into the lie that abortion would be something that America would just have to deal with? That there was nothing that we could do about it? That was a battle that couldn't be won? How many Christians gave up that fight? Your eyes need to be open to the fact that there is nothing that God can't do. Come on, I'm believing that that was just the beginning of what God's going to do in our country. I believe that there isn't one ordinance, one law. I'm believing that there's not one thing that the government sets into play that God cannot overthrow. I believe that God has the power and the authority to do anything he wants to do. But God wants to engage in the fight with you. God doesn't want to come down from his throne and just fix all of our problems. God wants to come alongside you. God wants to fight with you. That's what God wants to do. And we see this take place in scripture. Isaiah 41 verse 10. Scripture says, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 43 verse two, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the, the flame shall not consume you. Isaiah 41 13, for I, the Lord your God, hold up your right hand and it is I who say to you, fear not, for I am the one who helps you. It says, I am the one who helps you. Not, I'm the one who will do it for you. It doesn't say, don't worry, I'll take matter into my own hands and fix this. It says, fear not, for I will help. God wants to come alongside us. God wants to come alongside Elevate Ministries. The revival that we believe is coming to Orange County, it's not going to be God 
doing it himself. It's going to be God coming alongside the people leading the charge. And I don't know about you, but I want to be one of the ones that's in that fight. We have to fight. There's untapped potential in you. There's more to your story. There's more that you haven't discovered yet. God isn't done with you. I don't care what your age is. I don't care what your past is. God has a purpose and a destiny for your story. Your story isn't finished. You're just stepping into what God wants to do next. The fight in your life is less dependent on who you're fighting with or who you're fighting against. It's all about whether you're fighting at all. If somebody would just get into the valley, there's a scripture that says, God says, he says, if somebody will stand in the gap, I will withhold. That's what scripture says. God honors the person that steps into the valley. God wasn't just waiting for David. God was waiting for anybody that would step into the valley. When you go through battles in life, God is waiting for you to not run in fear and not hide, but to engage in the fight so he can come alongside you. And the third thing, God won't engage in what you won't begin. You need to begin to fight. We need to learn how to fight. It's not good enough to stand on the side and just let the world keep going the way it is. God has the power and the ability to flip our world around. We have the ability to see young people be set free from all depression, anxiety, suicide. We have the ability to see that happen, but God won't engage in what his people won't begin. I think there's a lot of us tonight, this morning, that look that we look at the problems in our lives. We look at the issues in our world. And we've been running from the fight. We've stayed quiet on certain areas. Maybe you've been a little worried about what the outcome may be. Maybe you're afraid because inflation's going up and it just keeps going up. So how can I give in this time when I don't know what tomorrow's going to be like? You could be worried about your family, worried about your kids. I don't want to force my kids to come to church because what if that puts a sour taste in their mouth? And, and we, we find ourselves arguing and, and convincing ourselves that it's not worth the fight. I want to tell you, it's worth the fight. Every battle in your life, it's worth the fight. Come on, if there's anybody in this room this morning that says, I want to engage in the fight. I don't know what fight you might be going through. It could be a fight for your family. It could be a fight for your kids. It could be a fight for your finances. It could be a fight for your school. It could be a fight for your workplace. It could be a fight for the city of Orange. It could be a fight for our country. But somebody in this room that says, I need to engage into the fight, if that's you, come on, can we stand? together can we make a declaration today God won't engage in what you won't begin if we want to see the goodness of God played out in the city of orange if we want to see the goodness and the righteousness and the holiness of God come into our world then we need to begin to fight we need to fight against evil we need to stand against what's wrong God, we come before you right now, Lord, and we're giving you our commitment right now, God, that we are going to engage, we are going to fight. We're not okay with the way things are, God. I don't care how big the enemy may seem. I don't care how impossible it may be. God, I know that within you 
is the power and the authority to overcome anything that may stand in my way. God, and I know that you're just waiting for me to start fighting back. God, so today's the day. Now is the time that I am going to begin to fight with my life. I'm going to fight for my kids. I'm going to fight for my family. I'm going to fight for my finances. I'm going to fight for my school. Come on, we need to begin to fight for the areas 